Hey everyone, you are listening to Jacob Young and Real Conversations. My guest this week, of course, is lighting up the Nashville and Atlanta music scene with her sophisticated, soulful music. One of the hardest working young women in the music industry since the age of 12. Now She's released 19 singles, she's released an EP, and her styles range from my favorites, blues, rock and roll, R&B, and of course, soul. But her Roots are based in country music. Her single, Finally Free, which we're going to be able to get a little taste of here in a second, was released in 2021 and charted number 42 on Billboard. Now, guys, think about that. That's all music across the board. With over 250,000 fans across her social media platforms, she's certainly shaking it up and shaking it up indeed as she's dedicated to raising awareness for suicide prevention through education and empowerment as the first national youth advocate for the Jason Foundation. My guest this week is the powerhouse vocalist, guitarist, singer-songwriter, humanitarian, Bailey James. You know what time it is. It's time to keep it real with Real Conversations with Jacob Young. Bailey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Gosh, Mm -hmm. you know, I I cannot wait. Before we jump into this interview, I have to share your your tune. Oh, yeah. That hit number 42 on Billboard. (laughs) Do you mind if I share it with the audience? No, I would love for you to. All right. Well, well, let's take a listen. And, And guys, you know, if you haven't heard this, check it out right here and download go to spotify follow bailey james I mean, damn, damn, damn. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is such a good tune. And and might I say, I mean, like you're like a female Chris Stapleton when I listen I to your vocals. That. I mean, like, whoa. This is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, the funny thing about that song is I wrote it when I was 16. What? And I yeah. Come on. So the story behind it is funny because I was going through a breakup. And when you're like 16, your first breakup is so horrible to you and you look back on it and it doesn't mean anything to you. But uh, I remember we were on the way. It was me and my dad. We were on our way to the right because he would never let me go to Wrights alone at that time. (laughs) And I was sobbing and I was like, I can't do it. Like, just cancel it. And he forced me to go to the right, which I'm very glad he did because... I sat down that day 
And I wrote with one of my favorite writers, Nolan Neal. Um, and it just came together. And by the end of the write, we knew it was something really special. And he looked at me and he said, I didn't really want to write with you today either. Oh, <laughs> no. It, it became this beautiful thing. And Finally Free wasn't really a breakup song anymore for me. It was more about uh, finding myself. Okay. And, and I mean, what did you find? Well, I think I, you know, I wrote the song when I was 16, recorded it when I was about 17 and released it when I had just turned 18. So I was growing in all those phases. And for the song for me, um, I felt like I found peace within myself. You know, I was going through a lot during those years, um, just in my personal life. And no one really knew because I didn't tell anyone for a very long time. So finally free for me probably meant something different than it did for everyone else, but I love seeing how it's impacted everyone. Well, it certainly is impacting a lot of people and it's so incredibly beautiful and powerful. I mean, I mean, those are the kind of goose pimples that we all want to get when we listen to a song. Right. Yeah, no, the emotion always comes first for me. So if the emotion isn't in the music, I tend to like, just zone out and not really <laughs> not really be there. So if I can put emotion into the music and make people feel something, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, no, I, I completely relate. Now, you're not only, you know, an incredible talent, which we just listened to, but you're also one of the people that are making the world a better place. You've been quoted as saying that music is for misfits. I think there are times when every single one of us feels like we're ready to join the island of misfit toys. <laughs> and just in case anybody doesn't pick that up out there, that is my favorite movie, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> the classic. It is a classic. And I'm hoping, you know, that, you know, you'll treat all of our listeners here in a bit to a live song as well yes i already have one planned out oh as soon well, as you told me i was like okay i, I, know what I'm gonna do. I love it so tell me bailey like when did the love of music come into your life and and tell us how all that came about so for me it was always there uh my i grew up in a little town i grew up in a place called levittown pennsylvania it's about an hour from philly so i say i'm from philly but my family doesn't like when I say that. <laughs> so I'm from Levittown. Um, and they, you know, a lot of my family, they were teachers or they were doing something along those lines. My mom owns a daycare. Um, it was very small town, very blue collar. No one was doing anything, you know, um, creative just because it, it wasn't possible. Um, but I just remember growing up and music was the one thing that I was really, really good at. And I knew I was good at it. And so it's all I wanted to do 24-7. I would come home from school. I would study all of my favorite musicians, find every single video I could, and just take all that information in. And I started really singing constantly around fifth grade to the point where my parents would be like, you need to go to bed. Like you've been singing for hours now. So the love for music was always there. My love for country music started. Um, my dad would be driving me to ballet lessons when I was little and he would sing Johnny Cash to me in the car, walk the line and Folsom prison blues. And I loved it. And it stuck with me ever since. Wow. That's an incredible story. You know, I can relate when when I was a kid, now I'm I'm a bit older than you, just a little bit. Man, <laughs> um, we're not gonna go into years and all that stuff. But um, <laughs> when I was when I was a kid, uh, my dad had a truck, and he my dad is very practical. Just for anybody who's out there, there he's very a practical man that likes to do practical things. So. Even though he'd have the money to buy the truck that had the stereo, he'd be like, how much does it cost without the stereo? Like, in those days, that was an option. Like, like every, you know, now every car comes with that sort of thing. But I remember as a kid, my dad bought a brand new truck without the stereo. And so we would play harmonica 
down driving down the road and he would play harmonica and i was so obsessed with watching him play harmonica that i learned how to play harmonica because of that right and and you know that you know the, eventually that you know turned into like hey can you do the harmonica trick standing on your head <laughs> and and i was like oh, oh okay yeah let me do that again uh, but but no but that but the love of the music i understand that and can relate to that that's 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 incredible um, it, it's a story I didn't know was so special back then because it, it shaped my entire music taste. And still to this day, those are some of my favorite songs. So, I bet they are. Yeah. Now, your vocals are powerful. Yeah. Does music, it does, does it run in the family? Is it something that has been like been going on for a generation or did you, <laughs> did you, did you get it from someplace? I, not really. I mean, there's, there's a love of music in the family. My uncle has a band and every, and you know, it's like a, like an eighties type band. He's living his glory days and I love it. He's the like rocker of the family. So, um, my dad writes a little bit. He used to write songs for me and my siblings. So he also has a love for music, but, my vocals, I always say, I was operatically trained. I was trained by an opera singer when I was super young because that was the only vocal coach in our small town. And she was this world-renowned opera singer who just happened to live in our same small town. And she taught me everything that I know about the voice and was a really, really big part in the way I sound and um, the power in my voice. I think people don't recognize that opera singers are the most technical singers ever and should just be looked at for anything because what they do on a stage is incredible and um a lot of them back in her day didn't even use microphones so they had to just use the power of their own voice so she was a real um just incredible mentor in that part of my life yeah, no, operatic. I, I, you know, I trained. I did some singing on Broadway back in the day, and yeah. I and I was like training with some coaches, and I in like separate rooms in New York City. I could hear these operatic singers just belting and beautiful, and I'm like, I'm not worthy. I'm not <laughs> worthy. I can't sing that. And I think that's what was so cool about her is she had toured with Pavarotti and done all these incredible things, but took on a lot of young artists and mentored them and never made me feel like I was less than. She always made me feel like I had something really special and um, was an amazing teacher. I haven't had a vocal coach that I love as much as her since. Well, it's those people in our lives that are the ones that instill the dream Right. That little something that takes us to the next place. Yeah, no, exactly. And I thank her often for it. <laughs> I still have her on Facebook and I'll text <laughs> her like, thank you, love you, miss you. And and so so she sees all that. Yeah, oh, she sees everything. That's incredible. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you about performing live. Is that yeah. something, like, is it, is it scary? Is it something you enjoy? What What about live performances? It depends on... I love performing live. Um, it's therapeutic for me. It feels like therapy almost because I get to put all my emotions out there. Because when I'm singing, I really am emoting from past experiences, whether the audience knows it or not. And... Um, I've become really, really close with my band. So when we perform, it just feels like we're all in it together. But I have struggled with anxiety throughout my whole life, especially with performing. And so for a long, long time, it was very, very tough for me. And I'd really have to sit there beforehand and talk myself through it about eight times and be like, no, you can do this. You can do this. It's luckily gotten easier as I've done it more and more. And now it really doesn't phase me, but if I haven't performed for a while, I'll still feel it a little bit. I just know. Well, let's talk about that for a second because that's something that I've dealt with too. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I sound great in the shower, you know, or like, <laughs> you know, like when I'm performing by myself. Right. But like, you know, you get in front of a, like a very large audience 
what were some of the things that you talked yourself through? I, um, for me, it was always, I would freeze up. So I would, especially when I was playing guitar for myself, it was like, I, my fingers wouldn't work. It was the strangest thing ever. So I really just had to, for me, it was just reminding myself that I'm safe and I'm fine. And, um, cause for me, when I panic, I feel really out of my body. So it was just grounding myself um, I would always have lavender oil on me or <laughs> CBD or something along those lines. To calm just you. To, yeah. Just to calm me. I used, I used to say I would take <laughs> this like two CBD gummies and <laughs> that would chill me out enough <laughs> that I could comfortably do it. And now I don't have to do that. I was also like on antidepressants for a very, very long time. Um, and then I got off of them and having to do shows off of them was terrifying. It was mm. uh, like a leap of faith. I just had to go out and do it. And once you go out and do it and you get through that part and where you're so in your head, um, you're fine. For At least that's how it is for me. Well, I mean, I wish you could give me some of that mojo because um, I still <laughs> suffer from those things. Um, and, and, and I'm still like, can you give me some CBD oil? Uh, <laughs> right. no, but, uh, but that's, that's amazing that you've been able to overcome that. And, mm-hmm. and so, so with performing live, so, so you feel like super comfortable now you've overcome that hurdle. I feel like I have, I mean, I still, I always get nervous, a little nervous before shows, but that means I care. If I wasn't nervous, I would stop doing it because What's my reason? Where's my adrenaline rush? Um, I I still get a little nervous, but it's not to the point where I'm like, I can't do this. Right. Well, everybody needs to hear it and they need to listen to your music. Thank you. I I worked on the musical Beauty and the Beast. I I, I played Lumiere on Broadway and... I was singing with a 36-piece orchestra every night, and I never got used to that first initial moment. Like, it was scary. Like, the very first time you speak, and the audience is all there. Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, still, I, mean, I still struggle with that anxiety of that, and I, I'm like, I'm still working on that. And I, I think an interesting thing that I would like to talk about is, you know, antidepressants. Um, you know, I, you know, I've recently been taking antidepressants for myself. Mm -hmm. I know my mother has needed to do that. I mean, do you think it's a genetic thing or do you think it's something that is, you know, like case by case? Absolutely. I think it's a genetic thing. And I, I, uh, I say that often. I, well, I also think, um, it depends on what type of, you know, mental, health um you're talking about like what they're going through uh for me antidepressants were a wonderful thing because I started having anxiety when I was about in middle school and for me it was like I couldn't make it through a school day um and it got me through high school and I've you know there's been a few times where I've had to switch antidepressants and they always haven't worked for me but I vouch that at that point in my life it was an amazing thing for me. And I think everyone, if you feel like you need it, um, get that help and get it correctly um, and make sure, you know, the meds that you're on are working for you because they don't all work the same for everyone. Everyone's sure. different. Yeah. They give um, all, they give all those clauses at the end. It's like, Hey, if this ain't working for you, you know, right. You know, and I'm, I'm like, please let us don't know through a week of feeling horrible on it. Yeah. <laughs> So, but, uh, so, but what was, what was the defining moment that changed it where you're like, I don't need these anymore? I just realized I was using it as a crutch at that point. I was like, I'm, I'm in a much better place. I understand my anxiety now. I have anxiety and OCD. Mm-hmm. And OCD for me is genetic. All the females in my family have it. And my dad has it. So I was just, I was bound to, you know, have OCD. But it didn't. I didn't realize I had it till I was about 18. I'd always had signs of it, but it wasn't 
I have pure OCD, so it's more like mental compulsions than it is just regular compulsions. Um, But for me, it was just realizing I, I was on it now just to be on it, not because I needed to be. It just felt safe to me because I had been on it for so long. And when I weaned off, I was terrified. And there were times where I think there was like two times where I tried to wean off and I went back on it. And then I was like, no, I'm really going to stick to it. Like I want to, I want to be able to just not have to rely on it now. I don't have to, there's no reason. And, um, it's been really, it's been great. I think it's almost been actually a year. It's almost been a year now. So you just, you were able to, to just change it. Yeah. And it's not like that for everyone. Um, I think, you know, when you're, when you're bipolar or my brother had schizophrenia, um, that's a lifelong thing that you will have to be on meds just to handle that. And that's okay. That's how your brain works and functions and you need to be on that. Um, but for me, I just, I had finally learned how to handle it. Um, for a long time, I was so afraid of my mental health and coming to a point where I looked at my mental health, like, okay, you're there, but I'm here and you're a part of me, but you're also not a part of me. Um, kind of figuring that out was a big game changer for me. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. It really is. So speaking, you know, you know, about inspiration, like, you know, and writing music, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Where do you draw your your inspiration from? I would like to say relationships are a big one for me. Um, I love writing about love and heartbreak and all the different um, things that happen when you are in love. And so that's definitely a big one for me. And just anything that's going on in my life, really. Um, I've written a lot about my brother and his passing and how that affected me. And those songs are the ones that seem to really touch a lot of people. Well, yeah. I mean, let's talk a little bit about the Jason Foundation. Yeah. Um, I joined the Jason Foundation as their first youth spokesperson um, alongside other artists like uh, Rascal Flats and Charlie Daniels. And they're a nonprofit out of Hendersonville, Tennessee, And they bring awareness to teen suicide primarily, but suicide in general. And at that point, my brother actually hadn't passed. Um, I lost my brother Zane when he was 18. He took his own life. And so then being a part of that and just um, spreading awareness was even more important to me because I really saw firsthand how it affects the siblings, number one, but my family, my parents, you know, it, it was just an experience I would never want anyone else to go through. Yeah. Um, when I was a teenager, my stepmom committed suicide, took mm-hmm. her own life. Um, and recently the daytime world that I live in, that I've been in for three decades, uh, Billy Miller multi-Emmy award-winning actor, he recently, you know, succumbed to mental health. And this is actually the first time I've talked about it. Um, I didn't know what to say because he was uh, somebody that I knew before he was an actor. Mm -hmm. I knew him as a bartender, friend, somebody that I would visit in the South Bay, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, Southern South Carolina, uh, sorry, South, uh, Southern California in the Bay and not the Bay area, but sorry, rather the, um, you know, in Redondo beach, Manhattan beach, he worked for a friend of mine and, you know, he was like, Hey, he asked me a lot of questions back in those days. And then we ended up becoming, you know, friends. And then next thing I know, I was on a show in New York. And then next thing you know, he, he showed up and he got cast on the show. And then he went on to have an incredible career. But, you know, we've recently learned that, you know, uh, after multiple Emmy Awards that he's been given in his life, nobody, I mean, nobody seemed to realize that it was something that was there. And, um, 
it's just been like, you know, it's, I think being an advocate like you, Bailey, like myself, to talk about this and make sure that people are aware of it is so, so important. It's incredibly important. And um, it's, you, you can't always tell. I think sometimes um, it's very, very, very hard to detect. And people don't realize that it truly is an illness and it should be treated like any other illness. People go to the doctor all the time for different things and they should be able to go to the doctor and not feel any sort of judgment for what's going on in their head. And I think a lot of times, um, especially from what I've seen, people will not go and get their mental health treated just because they're afraid to talk about it. Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you is how can our listeners make a difference if someone, you know, they fear or are struggling with mental health? I always say um, talk to them, get them professional help, whether it be from um, a therapist, a psychiatrist. Uh, I have a bunch of links on my website, and I know the Jason Foundation does. Um, but, you know, they need a safe space to talk. And whether that be you or whether that be someone else, that's up to that person. But um, talking about it, getting it out there, and then, you know, uh, getting the help is the most important step, I feel like. Yeah. Now, with all the people that you work with of all ages, what are the most common issues that, that lead to someone into feeling broken, depressed? I think... Social media is really tough on a lot of people, um, and uh, especially for kids who are a little bit younger than me. When I was 15, 16, social media was hard on me, so I can't imagine, I mean, the kids that are going through it right now, and I see, I see what, you know, I have cousins who are a little bit younger who are going into middle school and high school and what they're dealing with. They're the ones who are really highly affected by um, just people on social media. People say anything on social media because it's behind a screen. And I don't think they realize, you know, these are kids. And I've just seen some really, really terrible things. So I think that's who I see the most being affected by um, depression and anxiety. And Yeah. You know, it's almost like, I mean, because I'm dealing with the same thing with my own son mm -hmm. and, and I'm fearing for my own daughters as far as like that's going. But if I could rewind them and put them into my era where there was no social media, there was none of those things where there was no, I mean, yeah, you had, you know, you had the day to day challenging each other, like in right. school and oh, you're not cool, you're this, you know, whatever. But <laughs> yeah. there wasn't something that got suddenly, like, became viral blasted, or blasted right. everywhere. And I think, I think really that's, that's really now these, I think kids are living in fear. I think adults are living in fear because of it. And, and I, I think there's, there's a real, there's a lot of things that we need to do to help these young people to not fall into that trap and realize that they really do have a voice and they really do are beautiful for their own mm -hmm. unique abilities. Absolutely. I, I remember being young and everything that I saw, everything that I saw on the internet was way too much for me at that age. And there really are no controls of the internet. So kids can go and see anything, look anything up. And it's just, I think, too, too much. Um, luckily, I had parents who were always very supportive of me. And I would wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and talk to them for hours just because that's what I needed at that point. So I think having someone, you know, who you're comfortable talking to, that's big for kids. Yeah. And they need to know that they have those people to go to. And I right. think I, I really do. I feel there's a disconnect today. I mean, my son, I, I wish I could get him off the video games, but you know, because you know, now it's all an immersive 
experience, right? They're talking to kids, they're experiencing other people's lives that are coming into mm -hmm. them and they're being influenced by things. And it's like, can I just get you off of that thing for a second? And can we have a conversation? And mm -hmm. I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that parents and uh, like your parents, for instance, like mm -hmm. you were saying, that just need to be more involved with those students or their kids or their families. My, my brother was the same way. He was always on the video games, like from probably 14 to 18. We couldn't get him off of them. And there was like points where he like wouldn't take care of himself. And that point we were like, okay, this is definitely something more. Yeah, you need to like, clean. You need, you need to actually go take a shower. Right. Yeah. No. And I remember one time him and my dad getting in a fight about it. And I didn't understand it back then. I was like, oh, he's just being a teenager. He was just really depressed and looking for a way to escape um, the actual world. And I think that's what video games do for people. You find an escape in them. Um, but at what point is it like, not such a good thing you know i don't think yeah. there's a clear line there there isn't a clear line and i feel like a lot of parents are allowing it and i feel like it's happening in my house as well i mean i i do the due diligence and i'm like hey let's give, turn the controllers in it's time to go to bed you know you you your homework's done this is the time slot that you can get these you know play your games right. but it's like you know but I don't also want to take away mm -hmm. the, you know, their, you know, the things that they love, right? Mm -hmm. It's a fine line. It is. And I can't imagine, like, I'm terrified for when I become a parent because I don't even know what's going to be <laughs> happening. There. You got a lot of years ahead of you, darling. I do. I have a lot of years ahead of me, but I can't, um, you know, my mom works in a daycare and she sees firsthand that the kids are just different these days. They act different. And I don't know if it's because of how young we are exposed to social media and everything we see, but it's just a whole different, whole different time. It is. Bailey, we talked a lot about, about being broken, sad. I get that. We all feel that. Mm -hmm. How do you cheer yourself up? For me, it's always music. Um, music, or I am actually a big gamer. But for me, I'll play a game for like, I will complete the game in a week, and then I won't play another game for months. Wait, wait, wait. So, okay, so make sure that I'm not playing against you, right? You're going to crush <laughs> well, me. See, I don't like playing against other people. I like like the one-player things where I can just do my own thing. Do your own thing, so you're not, you don't like, like the interactive thing. No, I think... So my friend got me into Skyrim when I was younger mm -hmm. and I didn't know what it was. And for a long time I hated it, but then I actually got into it and learned how to play it. And it took me about uh, like two weeks to finish it, but I finished it. And that was where my gaming thing happened. And when, when I'm really like when I'm sick or I'm not just not in a good, good headspace, I'll play a little bit. Um, but anything creative, really, I love to write. I, I paint, Anything where I can kind of express my emotions without speaking is great for me um, when I'm when I'm feeling happy or I'll just I like, you know, I'll go on like long drives and listen to music. That's why you were saying like he didn't have a stereo in his car. I couldn't imagine. Well, Cause... you know, welcome to the 70s. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. Different. What would you say to anyone that is listening who feels like they're lost in the woods right now? I would say um, that healing and when you're when you're going through something really tough, it's really, really hard to see the end of the road and you 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 feel like you're so immersed in that moment. Um, and I, I would say that I've been there and I, I've had weeks and months of feeling like that. And it does get better. And there are, are so many more things for you to experience. And um, so many people that want to love you and support you uh, turn to the people that you love. And, you know, 
trust in them, talk to them. I would never have gotten through my hardest days without my family. And um, I'm forever grateful for that. So trust in your friends and your family and they will help you through. What great advice. Beautiful advice. Thank Thank you. I would say my parents are my best friends. Even even at twenty, they're my best friends. I don't care. I, don't I think care I think there was a shift to be to be honest. Like even with me being a parent, and like maybe your parents, because I could potentially be your parent. Um, uh, I was going to say my mom adores you, so I had to be like, I had to be like, mom, you need to chill. You need to calm down. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you who I'm who I'm going to be going to talk to, and you need to take a breather. So. Oh, well that's sweet. You make sure you tell mom I said what's up. <laughs> I will. Uh and thank you for letting me know that. That's sweet. Um <laughs> but you know I feel like there there truly is like there's I forgot what I was going to say. Um uh, I think there's a disconnect though with um w- with that whatever it was that it was going to be, but now like you got me all flustered because it made me feel good. Thank you. Oh, no, seriously? <sighs> My mom and my grandma used to watch the shows on repeat. The stories. <laughs> the stories. I would, be, I would be sitting there like, what's going on? It was their time. Yeah. Now, so, but, you know, but Bailey, so before we get out, because we're, I'm very excited to, to have you do a performance. And before we yeah. get go go down that road, all my guests, of course, take a ride in the Jacob Young time machine. And if there was something that you could say to your younger self, and you're still young right now, but your younger self right now, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to young Bailey James? I would tell young Bailey James to believe in herself, to be not so mean to her parents, I was very, very, I was a good child till I hit middle school and then I was horrible. Um, stop staying out late. Stop doing things behind your parents' back. That's what I would say to young Bailey J. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good advice. That's great advice. I look back and I'm like, why would you put yourself in these situations? But I didn't know any better. No, we don't know any better. We have to learn by our mistakes. And and yeah. let's talk about that for a second. Like, I mean, mistakes that we make in our lives, you know, how has that influenced your career? Oh, gosh. Um, luckily, some of the mistakes I made when I was super young. So I was probably like 14, 15. And my career was just starting. And they didn't really know about my personal life. Um but I'm very honest about, you know, I was, I was a real wild child as, I mean, I, I've kind I've calmed down a lot, but when I was 16, I had no business doing some of the things I was doing. And, um, you know, I just thought it was cool and it was fun at the time, but it actually brought on a lot of anxiety for me later on. Um, I had some of my first big panic attacks when I was like partying and, drinking and you know um so it it just wasn't good what do you think brought on the panic attacks oh i know what did um i took an edible one time oh yeah 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 i was just watching rob schneider talk about that he was like He's like, where have we gotten to? He's like, where have we gotten to? We're like, you know, now we got to go to sleep with these edibles. Where's my edible? Where's my edible? I got to go to. Right. It's yeah. So, but they're, they're strong. Those things. Oh no, it was my first time smoking and I took one. So that was the, where I went wrong. I was 16. I was on vacation. We were in Wildwood, New Jersey. Like, you know, New Jersey, the beaches. You're like, it's Wildwood. It's Wildwood. I might as well go for it. And I had. The worst panic attack of my life after that. And genuinely, that is what started, like, whenever I have anxiety now, when I feel out of my body, that's what started it. And do you feel the same way, that same experience? I, yeah. That same? Actually, it was like the memory will come back a little bit, which is weird. So I I did EMDR, Mm -hmm. um, which is like a 
form of therapy where they kind of go through those memories with you, but you process them so they aren't so negative in your head. It's hard to explain. It's kind of like neurotherapy, um, but they're not really looking at your brain waves. They're just kind of uh, like, fixing them. Yes, uh, on, on the spiritual like points on your body? That's no, they're like unplug. It's like an actual. Oh, so it's a scientific um, test. Yeah, so they're they're taking all the negative emotion with that memory. Okay. Um, yeah, and so I did that, and I absolutely refused to do it with that memory because I just don't want to relive it. <laughs> I mean, I was high for three days. It was the worst experience of my life. No one wants to be high for that. Like, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't eat don't eat strong gummies. No, um, don't do it, kids. Yeah, yeah, kids. You stay out of it. It was during that, the SoundCloud rapper epidemic when they were like, I, I was young at that time and impressionable, and they were like, do drugs, kids. That was like their thing to say. And I look back on that. What was I thinking? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, you have to, you know, you have to separate yourself uh from some of that culture when when you right. know it's all like everything's cool man just do it it's all right everybody everybody's doing it it's legalized in 59 states <laughs> wait we don't have 59 states but but it's you know but that's that's the problem that happens with you know everybody goes oh you know my parents are doing they have to go to sleep on it and you know now it's in every house so I'm, ter- I, I'm terrified for my cousins like my my younger cousin is going into she's going to be going into high school, and she is just so innocent. And I'm I don't want them to. I'm like, don't ruin her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sure if she has your support, that it's going to be just fine. So stay with her. Right. Right. Now, all my guests, you know, they they also, uh, you know, you know, they they also, you know, they take. They not only take the ride in the Jacob Young time machine, but we also talk a little bit about like um, what my sponsor speaks to. And I love this question because it means so much to me. And it's it's really about who carried you in your life. And and it it, it it's even a song. It became a song, right? It, you know, it's uh, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. And meaning like. Who's carried you in your life? Who have been some of the people that have carried you? My family. I couldn't imagine. Um, I mean, my, my mom and my dad completely changed their lives, moved to Tennessee so I could pursue music. And I didn't realize how special that was back then until I started talking to my friends and they were like, yeah, no, like my, my parents would never. And, um, they, my mom comes, you know, from very, very humble beginnings and not such a picture book childhood. And she always wanted uh, better for me. So I would say my mom is, has been that she's incredible. Her story is insane and how she made it out. I, I don't know. She's just the woman that I want to be one day. Well, I'm sure she looks at you and wants to be the woman that you are today, too. No, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> today, she, yeah, no, today she was telling me I was a little snappy, but I think it was just because I just woke up. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, I've got two daughters and a son, and so, like, every day it's like one or the other daughter is having a little snappy cappy <laughs> in the morning. And and I go like, hey, is it ever going to have a day where we don't have one of them that's like not upset at the world? No, it's it, it, it's it, it carries on. Well, I was raised by sisters, so I'm totally used to it. I think it's probably just the world that I live in anyway, and it was meant to be. But so I I don't uh, I don't think that it's it's a bad thing. But I think that's beautiful that you know you you want to be the woman that your mother is. Yeah, no, she's, I mean, the hardest worker I know. And I, she tells me about, you know, growing up, she was really, really just extremely poor and the things she had to go through. And yeah, I feel really, really blessed to have her. Yeah. And she's blessed to have you. Thank you. I Bailey, do you want to play a little tune for us? 
Yes. I've been thinking about it because sometimes I switch it in my head, but this one just feels like the one I'm going to play today. Um, It's called The Crow. I wrote it for my brother. Uh, He was like weirdly fascinated with crows. And I know a lot of people um, think they're kind of magical and mystical. Yeah. Uh, And I wrote this with Nolan Neal, who I wrote Finally Free with. Oh, nice. Yeah, this is called The Crow. I had a dream I was walking up from the Sleep, so maybe I'm right. Birds were shaking, I was waiting on the sky to fall. In the distance, I could in my spirit come. Sing out, fly on me, fly on me, show me where Spread your wings, spread your wings, just for the last me home. I can't hold this up, it's like a broken road, so I, I, fall across. I'm telling you, girl, you've your soul is deep. Thank it's you. very strong and you know, your words and your vocals are seated with inside of your heart and it shines so pure. Thank and you. I couldn't I'm just so like, you know, enamored by what what you do and what you continue to produce and I cannot wait to see what is next for you. Thank you. I'm working. I'm working on an album currently. Yeah, I was just gonna say, what is next right now? I so I've started uh, making music in Atlanta, which is a whole different landscape than Nashville. But it's it's a lot of fun and it's a challenge for me. And uh, yeah, I'm working on an album, um, writing every day. We've got about eleven, twelve songs right now, but I want to get to like twenty so we can cut it down to about twelve. Yeah, like an album length. 
You're like, yeah. I got so many songs, uh, you know, like, <laughs> what do I choose from? <laughs> it would be my first album. So I want it to be special. I want it to be, you know, um, well done and the best that I can do. So I'm going to push myself and be real picky. Well, there's no doubt it's going to be the best because you thanks. already are the best and oh, the best thanks. in my eyes. And I cannot wait for everybody else to catch on to the Bailey James gang. Let's go. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you so much for being so open and honest on yes. this podcast and you're making such a positive difference that's in this world that we need so, so very much. And thank you for taking you. the time and, 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 you know, good luck and keep going forward. Keep that hard work ethic that you're doing. Um, thank you, Bailey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's about all the time that we have for this week, but the Boys Town toll-free national hotline, 1-800-448-3000. That's one 800 448-3000 is a 24-7 crisis resource referral number for kids, their parents, and they're there to help anyone having suicidal thoughts, risking any type of self-harm, parenting problems, physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, stress, anxiety, anger problems, school problems like bullying and peer pressure and chemical dependency. Now, if you're suffering with any of these issues or you just need someone to talk to, they're there for you 24-7. Just call the Boys Town National Hotline at 1-800-448-3000. You don't feel like talking? You can text VOICE to 20121. Text VOICE to 20121. Someone will get back to you immediately. Boys Town, saving children, healing families. Until next time, love each other, and more importantly, love yourself.